Hey everyone. I know as brazen and confused listeners, you are big on audio quality. So I wanted to let you know that there's a little funkiness in this episode. Every once in a while, it sounds like I'm tapping my mic, which I don't think I was, but you can hear it for yourself. Uh, there's also a little bit of car noise in the background, which you've probably heard before. I live on top of two highways, and that's just inherent in my apartment. So I hope it doesn't annoy you too much and that you still get a lot out of this really wonderful episode with Rachel about Jello. Enjoy it. Hi, I'm Caitlin, and this is Braced and Confused. In episode six, my mother-in-law Rachel and I skim the jiggly surface of Jello, a summary treat that has always begged the question, how, why, what? We start, as always, with a little scrap of food knowledge. This one's about honey, which is one of the only edible things that never spoils. Sorry, ketchup. The oldest honey ever unearthed was found in Georgia, the country, not the state. It was found to be more than 5,000 years old. And in 2015, archaeologists found perfectly edible 3,000-year-old honey while excavating tombs in Egypt. Honey owes this unmatched shelf life to its unique chemical makeup. It's really low in water and super high in sugar, which prevents bacteria from growing on it. for something high in water and also high in sugar, Jell-O. The story of Jell-O is really the story of good, crafty marketing. Now, there are more than 110 products under the Jell-O name, and every year, more than 420 million boxes of Jell-O and over 1 billion Jell-O cups are sold in the U.S. Here to get jiggly with me is my second mom, Rachel. All right. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Kate. Thank you for joining me to talk about Jell-O. Um, I'm very excited. Um, I enjoy Jell-O. It's a fun snack, uh, and it's got a really fascinating history. So let's jump right into it. Um, can you let's tell me a little bit about what Jell-O is? Well, uh, Jell-O itself is a name. It was um, named by the wife of somebody in the late 1800s. Um, who was trying to market it. Mm -hmm. uh, it comes from um, what it's made up of is gelatin, which is Latin for stiff or frozen. Okay. And it's basically translucent, colorless, flavorless food ingredient. And um, it's derived from collagen, which is taken from animal body parts, which is a little off-putting when you think about yeah. it. Yes, yeah. very weird. Yes. Um, but does, I, I remember learning that when I, I used to live with, um, a woman who was a vegan and she wouldn't eat not jello, but like gummy bears because they have gelatin in them. Um, right. so I learned then that vegetarians and vegans, along with a lot of, um, religious people who follow religious diets, uh, where they don't eat meat or don't eat specific types of meat, they avoid foods and candies, uh, that have gelatin in them. Uh, which is pretty wild. Uh, so how did we move from gelatin to jello? Well, um, this was really fascinating. So mm -hmm. the uh, oldest evidence of the gelatin making process is in cave paint. Ooh, okay. uh, yeah, because really um, they, they were brilliant. They boiled down scraps of animal skin and bone and it released this, the thread-like collagen 
and which is really a kind of a glue. And they used it as a, an adhesive for um, whatever they got used for the paint, whatever color additive they had. And right. so that was in cave paint. Interesting. That's pretty, that's wild. Yeah. Um, so we go from, yeah, yes. We go from cave paint through it sort of becoming a, a glue, which I guess it was also a glue in the cave paint era. Um, right. When did it start becoming something that people were eating? Well, um, in the medieval times, uh, they made jellies. And um, this is a little off-putting as well, but they really, it was created as a way to preserve food because oh. they realized if they had some sort of old meat, mm -hmm. if they threw it in um, the jelly and made it a gelatin, it was, it was pretty edible. So... Um, that's that's how they used it in medieval times. That was the sounds, beginning sounds of delicious. eating it. I yeah. know. Well, it was in medieval times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then um, the late 1400s, um, they started to add sugar and they clarified it. And um, um, they started using it for things like uh, marmalade. Well, it was later it was marmalades and jams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then it really changed in the Industrial Revolution um, because they started, uh, someone who had been making glue actually mm -hmm. started to, figured out a way to make um, sort of an, the more instant gelatin that we have some familiarity with today. And it was right. a transparent yeah, product. It was the gelatin. And then he was suggesting that, you know, you add lemon and sugar and eggs and, to make it tasty. Um, but he wasn't very good at making it tasty himself. That was, <laughs> <laughs> he, he had, you know, he'd been making glue. It wasn't his uh, expertise. <laughs> uh, and then uh, he sold it to someone who'd been making cough syrup. So we're getting closer. Okay. And that guy, um, uh, with the help of his wife, of course, um, added sugar and food coloring. Mm -hmm. And his wife um, actually came up with the name jello interesting yes and uh, but he wasn't so good at marketing it and it sort of didn't go anywhere right they still needed to find someone who could turn it into something that people would buy um and right. from the research that we did we found that a man named frank woodward who uh i don't know if he did at this point or if he later founded the genesee pure food company um, so that's where he came in and he bought the rights to Jell-O for $450 and he started advertising. This was in the, the same time period, the late 1800s. Um, so he was the one who sort of brought it into the, the public sphere by advertising and putting some marketing behind it. Yeah, this is a story of really marketing transforming mm -hmm. completely this product. Yep. Because in, in the 1900s, um, through marketing, it was presented to people as an elegant meal. Uh, in Ladies' Home Journal, it was um, called America's Most Famous Dessert. <laughs> and they had salesmen who were going out and doing demos, and they had Jell-O recipe books. Yep. They had Jack Benny. It was, and you could have it in a restaurant. It was, it was a big deal then. Yeah, the, the marketing behind it really exploded the product to become 
you know, both a household name and, you know, something that mothers and, and women running the household sort of always had in their, in their pantry. Right, right. And um, it was marketed in part as something that was faster and more convenient, but also mm -hmm. fancy. Yeah, which is so interesting. It, you usually don't get both. It's, it's right. rare that you find marketing that hits literally everyone who well, could either yeah. be, you know, having a fancy dinner or making it to get their kids to shut up about dessert. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and it wasn't that expensive. And yeah, I mean, the marketing was, as we said, brilliant. And they even mm -hmm. had Johnny Carson who was doing it and he was doing sponsors and he was making it on his show. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You can find it on YouTube. Great. I will. <laughs> uh, so this brings us into the 1950s, uh, which is when Jello shots, um, now a college party favorite, sort of came into the the mix. And with Jello shots, you're generally mixing something like vodka or rum with a little bit of water. Um, you, there has to be like a delicate balance between the alcohol and the water, so that it will actually set. Uh, right. And you mix that with your powdered Jello box. Um, yeah, so that came to us in the 1950s, but it was actually mentioned earlier, um, as we found in an 1862 book. It was called Punch Jelly, um, and the book was called How to Mix Drinks. So they had already started getting onto this idea, um, and that was obviously not with the brand Jello, but just with gelatin. Um, right, right. And actually, in that book, it actually says that um, you have to watch out because afterwards the ladies may not be able to dance. <laughs> That's really wonderful. And true, and I guess, depending on I, what you I call guess. dancing. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and then in the 1950s, um, mm -hmm. also, um, the Tom Lehrer said that uh, he was acclaimed somewhat for when reintroducing the jello shots because mm -hmm. he had been in the army and they weren't allowed to have alcohol right and uh it was and it was his way of getting around the alcohol restrictions and pretending it was just jello when there was alcohol in the jello <laughs> going into the 2000s uh this is when another fascinating piece of jello lore comes about which is basically the tie between mormons and jello so we found that sales figures from, from Kraft Foods, which now owns Jell-O, uh, it shows that Salt Lake City, Utah, has the highest per capita Jell-O consumption. And this correlates pretty directly with its high population of Mormons. Um, so much so that they call the Mormon corridor in Utah the Jell-O belt. Yes, the Mormons are seem to be crazy for Jell-O. And um, it's believed in part, according to what I read, that, mm -hmm. you know, as we know, Mormons have very strong family values and they're very careful about what they, what they eat and um, are very careful with sugar and desserts and things. So yeah. it seemed like a natural for them, I guess. Yeah. There was a lot of marketing with Jell-O as a family-friendly treat. Um, and we think that from the research we were reading that kids who, you know, Mormon children are potentially generally prohibited, prohibited from uh, more scandalous sugar packed treats. 
um, you know, candy bars, chocolates, cakes. So right. they, Jello turned out to be like a great, a perfect balance. It's a, a dessert that tastes good that they liked, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't junk food exactly. And right, and if you're a Mormon and you have ten children, yep, it's it's a lot to feed, and yeah, exactly. Jello does um, go a long way. Yeah, it's it's cheap as we've been saying, and it lasts forever because it's just powdered gelatin that you're then mixing with. You know, you're mixing with your fresh ingredients, but the gelatin itself lasts a long time. So you can stock up and uh, keep it to feed a bunch of people. Right. Yeah. So in 2001, that was when the Utah state representative, um, Leonard Blackham, introduced State Resolution 5, which basically urged that Jell-O be recognized as the official snack food of the state of Utah. And the legislation passed. Only two people were against it. Um, and yeah, so yeah, I don't know Utah, what the deal was. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Why they, would you dissent that for heaven's sakes? I know. Like of all the things, just be fine with Jello. Let's go it's with great. the Jello flow. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now Jello is the official state snack food of Utah. Um, I didn't get to look this up, but I don't actually know of any other states having an official snack food. I know that you know, states have official true. foods. That's a fascinating question. Yeah. And also they have uh, Jell-O week. Yeah. Which is in February, which seems like a good time and you know of the year to have something like a Jell-O week, February. Yes. Yeah. Cold. Helps you like helps yeah. you get through it. Exactly. It, it does somehow seem quintessentially American. Although, yeah. of course, the, the Europeans had aspic and jellies. And mm -hmm. um, one of the weirdest things that I discovered in this research is that in the early 1900s, um, the company who owned Jell-O decided to offer it to Ellis Island immigrants as a oh, Welcome right. to America gift. Yeah. Which... It's so interesting. I know. <laughs> what did those poor immigrants yeah. think? Like, oh what God. is this? What country <laughs> have we come to? <laughs> is this food? Yeah. So here's to Jello and being creative. That's great. Absolutely. All right. Well, this has been fascinating. Now I have a lot more to research. So maybe we'll do <laughs> Jello part two in the future. But okay. We'll see. All right. Um, yeah, we haven't talked about grass flavored Jello or celery flavored Jello. Or I know. There's so many, there's so many. The losers of the Jell-O history. <laughs> yes, to say the least. The reason we're, when the green Jell-O we eat is lime and not celery. Right. Um, that's a whole other show unto itself. <laughs> for sure. Yes. Well, thank you for bringing all this to us and um, for talking through Jell-O. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you to Rachel for thoroughly researching America's most famous dessert. Thank you to advertisers for turning textureless gelatin water into something magical. And thank you to Utah's Mormons for their peculiar and joyful love of Jell-O.